Hello, Rochester Life. Our scripture reading today comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Isn't it exciting what Susie just read about the second coming of the Lord, our anticipated return of Jesus, and then we're going to meet Him in the air with those who have already died and are in Christ. Um, today, we're going to be looking at the next chapter. She just read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, but our message is going to come from the very next verses in 1 Thessalonians 5. Um, we have been... Um, um, going through this series um, of the letters to the Thessalonians. And if you would like to stop your video right now, I want to invite you to take a look at a video um, on Right Now Media that you can find it in its. Uh, uh, it's from the Bible Project, and Tim Mackey does a great job of sharing out of the book of Revelation about end-time events and what we can look forward to. And in our Sunday morning in-person gathering, we're going to be showing this video. So if you go to Right Now Media, find the Bible Project, and specifically part two on the book of Revelation, and watch that 11-minute video, um, that'll help you with this message today. But anyway, this day of the Lord, um, it's an exciting day that we are looking forward to. And in this counterculture series, we're looking at the ways in which we, as followers of Christ, go against the culture of the world that we live in. Um, and we aren't doing this in some revolutionary way. We're doing it in a following Jesus footsteps kind of a way. And a lot of the things that Jesus taught, the way that Jesus lived, and the things he was leading his followers into were counterculture. I'm going to share that definition from last week. Counterculture, a way of life and set of attitudes opposed to or at variance with the prevailing social norm. And uh, last week we talked about affliction and encouragement and how the Lord uses both of those things in our lives to give us this passion and this drive and this desire to follow Him in this countercultural way. Well, when we think about this belief and this anticipation of the second coming of Christ, the day of the Lord, um, we're going to find that the belief in it and the focus of our lives are going to be counterculture um, because of this belief in this day of the Lord that's coming. Um, in 
light of the end time events, in light of what you might have just watched as you went to check out the Bible project in the book of Revelation, I want to examine the coming of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord, in three different ways. And we're going to examine these things with these thoughts. First is what we are not. We're going to look at the second coming of the Lord with this idea of what we are not. Secondly, we're going to be looking at what we are as individuals. What we are as individuals. And then lastly, what we are as a community. And so as we open up 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, um, we're going to first start by looking at the what we are not idea. And the first thing is that there is an unwatching world. That is what we are not. But those around us who are outside of Christ fall into this category in so many ways, an unwatching world. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 5 in the first four verses where it says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief." So we find here this idea and we see that there's an unwatching world related to the coming of the Lord. And, and really, when it comes to spiritual matters as a whole, um, it, it says that here that the, um, the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. What does this mean? Um, how is the day of the Lord compared to a thief in the night? Um, just this week, about a week ago on Saturday, my son Colton. Um, was at work, got there at 7.30 in the morning, um, came out when his shift got out about 1.30 in the afternoon, and he came out to the parking lot, and his car was gone. Um, his car was stolen. Um, he's freaking out. Nothing like this has ever happened to him before. Calls up Danita. Come to find out, um, it's gone, and they have a full police report. And so Colton is just without a car. It's kind of a junker car. We don't have full coverage on this car. Um, and so it's just kind of a, a loss. Um, just to kind of tell you how it wrapped up, we got a call on Monday, two days later, from the police officer that came and took the report, and the car had been recovered. Um, the car was taken about 40 miles up the road into Tacoma, was found in a homeless camp, and uh, we went up to recover the car. Um, we have it back. Some damage, but it wasn't too bad, and there's a lot more to that story about the recovery of it that I could tell you, but I don't have time for that right now. But the point is, is that a thief comes when no one's watching. Um, and, you know, thieves these days are pretty comfortable in broad daylight to steal things. They just have to look confident, I guess, because who's going to stop a guy who hitches up a car and tows it away? They just think they're towing their own car away, right? Um, but when no one's watching, that's when the thieves do their work. Now, most of the time we think of maybe a work of a thief happens in the dark, happens at night, happens when people are asleep and no one's watching. Um, 
bad things happen when you're not watching. I, you know, the, my first day of having my driver's license, I get in my car, my dad sent me on an errand to go down to the parts store, I'm going down, I get the part, I'm coming back home, and uh, I'm messing with my radio, and I'm not what? I'm not watching the road. I look up as I'm adjusting the stereo, only to see myself heading straight for the telephone pole, turn the wheel, the car goes crashing into the side of the telephone pole. Um, bad things happen when we are not watching. And the fact of the matter is the Lord has compared his second coming to um, the thief in the night when people are unaware. And we are living in a world that is not watching, not watching spiritually. Um, most of the world is spiritually unaware. Now, the world is watching some things. The world is aware of some things, but spiritually are somewhat oblivious. Um, it says here in the scripture that it says that the world will be saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them. What, what, what is he saying here? See, the world is watching something. The fact of the matter is, is that the world is saying peace and safety. And, and these are great words, right? We can all get behind that right now as this is being recorded, where all eyes are on the news in Ukraine as Russia is coming and invading and trying to take over that part of the world, reclaim Ukraine for their own. And me, just like everybody's calling for peace, we so badly want for this war to stop. We would love for wars to stop all over the world. Um, it's a noble thing to call for. Who doesn't want peace? Safety, another buzzword in our society. We're willing to shut things down. We're just coming out of this world pandemic with a coronavirus and everyone shouts safety, 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 and willing to shut things down completely. These are words that the world is shouting peace and safety. The problem is that their watchfulness is short-sighted. It's a focus on the here and the now. It's a focus on things calming down now. It's a focus on how can I make my life here on earth and in this moment, in this year, all that it can be. How can I have the most comfortable existence or the, the, the most serene, the most um, you know, beneficial or bountiful presence now? It's short-sighted. It's a vision that focuses on the here and the now. Their watchfulness is short-sighted. What is short-sightedness? Short-sightedness is that the up-close is clear and the long range is fuzzy. If you've got a prescription that is short-sighted, it means you can see things up close pretty good, but your long range vision is fuzzy. So you get a prescription that clears up the distance, the, the far away view. But you see the world is short-sighted. The world is looking at the here and the now, the peace and the safety. And it's because they are um, not watching what God's up to. They're not watching the spirit world. They're not watching the stuff that matters to God. You see, God is looking at the long range. He's calling his church to have an eternal view, an eternal perspective, not the short range perspective only. And so as a follower of Christ and realizing that you really are counterculture, 
that you are going against the social norms, what that will mean is that you will be a watching world. Your spiritual eyes will come alive. You will be in tune with what God is speaking and what His Spirit is speaking and what His Word is speaking and what His focus on and what Jesus Christ was teaching as He was leading and calling and preaching and all of the stuff that He was calling His people to. It was that they would have an eternal, long-range view. That would be countercultural. So then the question is, is if we're not to be an unwatching world, then what are we to be? Well, we're going to continue on in 1 Thessalonians 5, and what we're going to find here is a calling that we as individuals would be daytime dwellers, that we would be dwellers of the light, dwellers of the daytime. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning in verse 5. It says, You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. You see, we are called to be daytime dwellers, not nighttime dwellers, not workers of the night or workers of the darkness, but rather daytime dwellers. Well, what are some of the features of being a daytime dweller, working and living and interacting in the light, in the daytime? Well, first is in the daylight, you're aware of things, your perception and what you can see is wide open and visible and in view. It's easy to interact and to discern and to figure out what everyone is up to. A person who dwells in the daytime is aware, is able to be seen and able to see what's going on. Um, it's, a, it's an exposed life. It's a life that's examined. It's a, it's a life that people see and is not hidden or, um, you know, Know, secretive and dwelling in the dark and in the night. It is one that's exposed and it's a bit vulnerable. Those who dwell in the daylight are vulnerable to other people, vulnerable to the surroundings around them. And that might sound negative, but it is a positive. It is, it's what keeps us um, connected um, with God. It's what keeps us walking a straight and narrow. It's what gives us a, a desire and a passion to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of the wrongdoing that can come into our lives. It's an exposed, vulnerable life. It's a, it's a life when we are daytime dwellers, we're walking with integrity that what we do in the private lines up with what we do in the public and out in the open. Here we find that Paul, speaking to the Thessalonians, kind of exposes the, a few pieces of the armor, um, the armor of God, which we'll get to you know, in July or August when we start looking at the book of Ephesians and we get a full list of the armor of God. But he speaks about a breastplate of faith and love, and he talks about a helmet of salvation. See, the helmet of salvation and really the breastplate of love, they both are kind of alluding to this idea that we would have 
long range eternal focus. You see, daytime dwellers are aware of what's going on and aware of how that interacts with the eternal. You see, their watchfulness is farsighted. A daytime dweller sees out there a long ways, just like when you have a nice clear day and you look up to Mount Rainier and it's just beautiful and it's just huge when it's on a clear, nice sunny day. It's a, it's a farsighted view. It's a long range view. And you see daytime dwellers, followers of Christ are to have a long range view of life and what's important. You see, the, the long-range or the far-sighted folks are ones that have the up-close is kind of fuzzy, but the long-range is in full view. And you see, Christ would have us to have that kind of vision, where we can see the eternal, we can see down the road, we can see what's important, but the things that are kind of up-close, the here and the now and the, um, you know, the, the things that seem to affect our lives and our pleasure and all of these things, I think he would call us to have those a little bit out of focus, that we're not so much in tune with how we feel in the moment, but rather, how do we see God working? Um, it helps us to walk through the trials of life, not so consumed by them, but rather, how does this relate to the long range? How does it relate to the eternal? In fact, I want to read out of the book of Ephesians. Like I said, we're going to get there in a few months, but I want to read a passage um, that Paul wrote to that church. In Ephesus, in Ephesians 5, verse 8 through 14, it says, For you were once darkness. I like that. You were once darkness, but now you are the light of the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. You see, as we are looking forward to the second coming of Christ, as we are looking forward to the day of the Lord, we are called to be daytime dwellers in preparation for that day. As we are walking in the light, as we are the light to those who are in darkness around us, as we are um, being transparent for Jesus Christ, what we end up doing is not only preparing ourselves for the day of the Lord, but we end up preparing those around us for the day of the Lord. You see, this is counterculture. The, the culture around us are nighttime dwellers. The, the culture around us does things in secret and, and uh, does things to um, subvert God's plan for their lives. But daytime dwellers prepare themselves for the day of the Lord, the second coming the soon coming return of the Lord. Remember that third question I said we're going to look at too? And that is, what are we to be as a community? We've talked about what we're not to be, um, unwatching. We've talked about what we are supposed to be as individuals, a daytime dweller. But now we're going to look at what we're supposed to be as a community. And Paul calls the Thessalonians to be a comforting community, a comforting community. Let's read verse 9, 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, For God did not appoint us to wrath 
praise the Lord for that, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. You see, the coming of the day of the Lord, the second coming of Christ, is supposed to be a comfort. Not something to be feared, not something to be dreading, but something to be excited about. Something that we talk about as fellow, fellow believers in Christ. It's a comforting thing. So when people are going through the light and momentary troubles of this world, we can comfort each other with saying, you know what? What you're going through is temporary. What you're going through is short range. But what is this doing in light of Christ? And in light of Christ, it's a redeeming work in your life. And we can comfort each other with the fact that this momentary trouble is temporary and the day of the Lord is coming. The day of salvation, the day of life, the day of hope, the day of eternal life is coming. One of the things the church is valuable for is encouragement and comfort. It needs to be that. Let's put, a, put aside any backbiting and you know, controversy and all the stuff that can tear a church apart. And let's be about the business of encouragement like we talked about last week. And now we find Paul talking about comforting each other with the hope that the day of the Lord is coming. The darkness and the news of darkness causes anxiety and concern. There's plenty of that going around right now. But the hope of the Lord's return and eternal life causes comfort and hope. And the church, just being present, just praying together, serving one another, is comforting. And that's what we're called to do, to comfort one another and, and lay over this lens of hope and eternal life. Now, I want to share with you the unfortunate news, and that is that there's probably going to be some bad times ahead for each of us. Perhaps it's going to feel like end times tribulation, like you might have just heard in the Tim Mackey video, or maybe some of the things that you're concerned about when you think about end times events. There's probably going to be some bad stuff ahead. I want you to talk to anyone who's living in the Ukraine right now, and you're probably going to say that it feels like tribulation in an extreme way right now. And you know, any single one of us are eligible for trials and tribulations. Um, it's very likely we will experience something along the way. But I believe the next thing on the biblical timeline is Christ's second coming. I believe that we as a church need to be anticipating that the coming of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. And when the world is calling for safety and peace is when Jesus is going to return. And what that tells me is the next thing that's going to happen according to the Bible, is Jesus' second coming. His return, the day of the Lord, is coming, and it will come in a time when the world does not suspect. Now, you and I are called to keep our eyes fixed on that. You and I are to keep our hope on Jesus Christ. And even though you will experience some tribulation in your life, even though you will experience some pain in your life, even though there's a pretty darn good chance you may die before Jesus returns, the next thing coming, according to the Bible, is Jesus' soon coming return.
And you may be alive for it. You maybe have the opportunity to be one of those, as 1 Thessalonians 4 said, to meet the Lord in the sky, to join with those who have died in Christ and meet Jesus in the sky. This is a good sign. All the tribulations we see, all the people shouting peace and safety is a good sign that Jesus' soon coming return is right around the corner. Now, perhaps this message, us talking about Jesus' return and that can happen any moment and, and some of the trials and some of the ways that the world is not watching for it, maybe all this has you right now saying, I need to say yes to Jesus Christ. I need to be right with Him. I want to be one of these whose eyes are open. I want to be one of those who's not unaware of what's going on. I want to be one of those who are daytime dwellers that have their lives exposed, that, that are walking with Christ and leading others to Christ. I want to be one of those who are comforting one another with the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. All this is saying to you, I need Jesus in my life. And if that's you, I challenge, I encourage you to say yes to Jesus. It's something that you do. It's not something I can do for you. I could pray a prayer and I will pray a prayer for you, but you need to say yes to Jesus for you. And I want to encourage you to do it. And when you do, I believe your eyes are going to begin to get open more and more to what Jesus is up to in this world and that your hope will become greater, stronger, more brilliant in your life as you take a look and you hope for the day of the Lord. Would you pray with me right now? Let's pray that Jesus would fill your life. Lord, we come in your holy name. Lord, we have focused today on the second coming of Jesus, so that you are coming back for your church, that you will welcome us into eternal life, eternal kingdom. And Lord God, the day of the Lord is coming soon. And I pray for every person here that's listening and praying with me now, especially those, Lord, who are saying yes to you for the very first time, that you would come in, that you would bring hope, that you would open eyes to what's going on spiritually. Father, that you would allow us to become people who walk in the, the light of day. And Lord God, we would be people that offer hope and encouragement to those we're walking with. Lord God, I pray that we would be comforted by the fact that we are looking for your soon coming return. God, I pray that we would have long range sight, that we would become farsighted, O oh Lord, and that the things that are currently causing so much focus and pain in our lives would be seen in the light of what you are doing. O oh Lord God, I pray we'd catch an eternal perspective and Lord, we look forward to your soon coming return. We say, come Lord Jesus, come now. In Jesus' name, amen.